Goodness gracious. We are back. I'm thinking we're back. I think we are. Matt, I think in many ways we never went away, but now we're different than ever. Folks, back if you're di- more back and more different than ever. That's right. <laughs> Folks, if you're watching this, then you already know the news. Bobby Sheehan has passed away. Yes. Uh, we decided that, you know, along with our, our dearly departed ginger friend, mm-hmm. we're also going to bury locker room talk. Yes. Yeah. We felt like... Uh, you know, if we were go if uh, if Bobby Sheehan wasn't going yeah. to be here anymore, then the gr- the greatness of Bobby Sheehan is gone. The greatness of locker room talk well, should also locker be room gone. talk will always be the house that Bobby, Matt, and Joe built. Yes, and now that Bobby's gone, we shouldn't live in that house anymore. It's exactly. weird. It's yeah. weird, like to live in a house when somebody's not there. Yeah, like when my parents got divorced, my dad right. moved out of the house. We stayed in the house, but it was weird. Dad's not there. Yeah, you got to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, Bobby was uh, he was more the zaddy of locker room talk yeah. more than the dad but yeah like so. how bubs is sinisterly sitting on the side <laughs> of the couch it is like that's a real uh evil man's cat move it's a it's a gargoyle of a cat yes. dude it is a gargoyle of a cat yes so locker room talk is dead and buried and this is going to be i guess our transition episode next week if you guys uh stay subscribed to everything it's going to be a new show on the youtube channel on that's the right. instagram on the twitter it is the buff boys featuring right. matt Marin and joe gorman that's right we're rebranding and we decided to just make it a completely accurate title this time yes yeah locker room talk was a little bit are we really three guys who would end up in a locker be in a locker room together well we'd all be in the locker room for three vastly different reasons yes <laughs> so one of us are, boy oh I'm, well i thought he was cruising <laughs> oh he's <laughs> he's cruising he's are offering you, to lather people up in yes, the showers right yeah what Me, you, i'm what, like i'm like the old guy that walks around naked mm, and makes everyone uncomfortable but i'm yeah. super comfortable with my body and yeah. nudity I'm, I'm the guy who's like only on the team because he's able to make everyone laugh even though he's not actually as athletic as everyone else yeah you're like the charming bench warmer yep. you're the bench that was, warmer that with a spotlight my, that, that was always i mean early on for most sports i was playing you know everyone plays at a certain point when it became really about mm-hmm. skill then i became like the charming bench warmer slash like the tough one so did your parents like did your parents make you play sports or did you like beg no your parents i want to no i i always wanted to play everything Damn. my dad was like uh into baseball um so he would take me out to play catch i think it was just one of those things of like uh um, what do I do with my son? All right, yeah. we'll go play baseball. We'll watch baseball. And then I just became like obsessed with sports. Our dads were like the last generation where it's like, well, my dad told me to do this. So I guess I got to do this with my son. Yeah. It's like, take you out and play catch. Sign you up for the Boy Scouts. My dad was like twisting my arm. Yeah. To get me to sign up for the Boy Scouts. You ever have to no, do that I shit? I didn't do any Boy Scouts. You're lucky, dude. I didn't do yeah. that shit either. But like my dad was so disappointed yeah. that I never signed up for it. And then. Lo and behold, man, like, yeah. you know, like two years later, all those all those news reports came out of yeah. Scoutmasters molesting the there you go. Boy Scouts. And I was like, yeah. damn. No, my parents never pressured or forced me into anything. Really? My, my dad was like a classical musician. So he like would he my brother, I think, had like some music stuff. My dad never like tried to teach us music. Even if we wanted to, he would have. My dad immediately like signed me up for baseball. Yeah. My sister did soccer, but my sister like liked sports. Yeah. I hate it. Dude, it, sports, like, it cut into my video game and TV time. Yeah, your sister's older, right? No, younger, younger. dude. She looks older. Yeah. Because <laughs> no, uh, I was the older sibling, so I think my brother did Little League Baseball, too, for a couple years. He hated it, but I think part, it wasn't like my parents tried to force us both to play baseball. I think I was doing it, and it was like, this will be a thing that we can all, all do boys, together. All the boys. All the Marin boys. Yeah. 
Um, he didn't. We said uh, we joke. We would say he played second base, not the position, the actual base, because he just sat at second base. Nice. <laughs> it was one play I specifically remember this, where someone hit a ball past him, and all the other kids on the team look at him, and he's just sitting down, and he looks at all those teammates, and he just points at the ball like, "There it is. Go get it. What are you looking at me for?" <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and then as I got older. Um, Amateur wrestling, I was actually good at. Once I started doing that, I trained. So I did some martial. I did a judo class with like yeah. an after school program, and then for amateur, because um, the other side of it is um, if you're like most of the kids don't want to get hurt when they're playing sports, and I was just like psychotic, oh, <laughs> so yeah, I would yeah. be willing to get hurt, and that kind of gives you an advantage also over kids who may be more athletic or stronger or bigger, faster. Is that um, I would play I played um once they started having tryouts in little league baseball um i just switched to catcher because no one wanted to play catcher and i would always be on a team as a catcher and when you're a catcher in little league baseball you're not that good yet so you're just getting hit constantly you're not catching them yet so i just come home with like bruises i was a goalie and a roller hockey team for a couple years because i was the only kid who wouldn't move out of the way when the ball was shot to him so just yeah by being willing to be a glutton for punishment that kept my athletic career going for a bit and then when it comes to amateur wrestling that's like all toughness my uh my dad would make me do those batting cages as a kid yeah and i remember i fucking broke my thumb because like the fucking the, batting the ball was it was like hard ball soft slow pitch but it just like yeah. collided with my thumb and Oof. just smashed it dude i hated baseball yeah. i was so afraid of the ball because the ball fucking hurt dude yeah i remember like I remember, like, I, I wish they gave me, like, I wish it was, like, done with, like, a rag ball. That, yeah. I feel like I would I would be into baseball more if it was, like, a rag ball. Or a rubber band ball. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, <laughs> dude, make it, like, a soft ball, that, like, a Nerf ball. Mm. Make it with a Nerf ball. Because, honestly, like, that would make it, like, a little more fun. Because yeah. you don't know where the ball is going to go. And yeah. you're less afraid of it. And yeah. it, it forces you to kind of scramble. Well, you don't play, more. like, wiffle ball with friends? Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I wiffle could get ball was fun. T-ball. I was all about that T-ball, ball. dude. I've seen on, like, on Instagram, you see some people who, like, adults who play wiffle ball, and because the ball is so, like, light, hmm. you can make it move in an insane amount. Well, Matthew, we, you also have to remember that adults playing those kinds of, they're doing it just to drink. Yeah, like it, it's just like yeah. nobody's like actually the fucking art of wiffle ball. I mean, <laughs> honestly, there are some there's weirdos out there. I'm the Cal Ripken of wiffle yeah. ball <laughs> where I just show up every day to get drunk. Yeah, I've played I've, I've gotten drunk 2600 straight days at the, yeah. <laughs> at the wiffle ball tournament. That's a level of death. that's like, you know, the, Cal Ripken, he's like the boomer athlete because that's like whatever. That's like what boomers fucking love. I yeah. show up and I do my job. And yeah. you know what? Some days it's going to rain. Some days it's uh, I'm not going to feel like it. But God damn it, I have a job. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to show up every day and do my job. And everyone fucking love that. Yeah. I, I remember wa- I watched that game yeah. where he, he broke when the he record. Broke the record, yeah. And like they, he got like a half hour applause. Yeah. Like they stopped the game at the seventh inning because that's when yep. it he counted went. as a full game. Yep. You know? Yeah. And he. Um, well, because also he broke uh, Lou Gehrig's record, which I still think is more impressive to play every what, game. Not dying a, of that disease. Well, th- I mean, because some of the games he played in a row, he had a, he had Lou Gehrig's disease for. How, how wild! Like, what is the like, Lou Gehrig's disease actually? Because it's not ALS. Like, that's funny, dude. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, well, the ice, the whole ice bucket challenge. Imagine, like, imagine if like AIDS was called Freddie Mercury, <laughs> right? Like, you're just like. <laughs> Your, your your disease is like the you're, well you're the coolest guy to get this disease yeah you know I think it's yeah it's because hemorrhoids like, is like Elton John's yeah 
That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah, like an overdose. I guess like overdose is like Winehouse. Winehouse, Winehouse syndrome. Winehouse, where you yeah. like where you just like die of where you clear like it's clear that you're gonna die of a drug overdose. Yeah. And then you die of a drug overdose. Yeah. Mm. The Keith Richards is the opposite where you look like you're about to die of a drug overdose, but instead you right. outlive everyone. Yeah, I like the idea of you getting called into the doctor office and then them coming up be like, I'm so sorry, your son has Freddie Mercury. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Mama. <laughs> I'm gonna die. <laughs> Fucked a man up in his ass. Yes, that's how they tell you. They have all the nurses come out and yeah. do Bohemian Rhapsody. That's it, man. <laughs> that would probably take the edge off of your own mortality. A little bit, yeah. I've been, I've, I saw like a, you know, because a, a couple of the streaming services we have, we have to get commercials. I'm not made yeah. out of money. Yeah. Subscribe right. to the new Buff Boys Patreon, yes. folks. <laughs> I need the money. I need the money. Uh but uh, no, I, I've seen like a lot of like the uh, HIV medication commercials. Yeah, this is terrifying. Yeah, young gay people, Matthew. Young gay people, isn't that wild? Now? Like, how yeah. are young people? Like, because I feel like AIDS and HIV, and this might be me being fucking narrow-minded, cisgendered, <laughs> but I feel like that's like an old, like in the seventies and eighties, and of course, like in the epidemic of the nineties. Yeah, it was a. Uh, a bigger problem in the gay community, but then like yeah. they kind of learn like, okay, well, let's wear a condom. Hey, Maddie, come here. Everyone's going nuts. Yeah. Um, but in the gay community, it was like a bigger problem. But you yeah. think like now, like you know, people younger. Like, well, like yeah. if you're if you're like a twenty something, you 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 know, in the two thousands, we were all about like, yo, practice safe sex. You know, yeah. you know, be careful. But like they're still getting it. Naughty, naughty. Now, do you <laughs> think it's because older gay men are grooming young gay men mm. and infect and willingly infecting them with uh, AIDS to? To in a way write their name on them like Andy did with or his toys. You think it's like a passing the torch type thing within the gay community? Well, how good is gay sex? Pro- if you're just gonna <laughs> get fucking AIDS, <laughs> you know, it's like, know, dude, this is like a surefire thing. And you still do it, <laughs> dude. Like I once had sex with a girl. Well, don't tell Kelly this, but I once had sex with a girl uh, who was like abusing heroin. Yeah. For, I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. But like I was like, oh shit, you know what if she had AIDS? Yeah. And they were like, it's really hard for a woman to get AIDS. Yeah. And, and then, like, it's like, even if she did have AIDS from, you know, using needles. Yeah. It's difficult for a man to get AIDS having vaginal sex okay. with a woman who has AIDS. Yeah, I had. Uh, there was it's a girl. literally, you literally have to piss off God to get AIDS. Yeah. How cool <laughs> is that? I slept with a girl who um, later died of a heroin overdose, and nice. I did get STD tested after just because I was like, hey, maybe. You never know. Well, just have sex with another girl who gets an STD there test. There you go. Yeah. I, um,. Yeah, the what do you think is scarier? Is it scarier for young gay men to get AIDS or if old straight men started getting AIDS? Well, clearly I would be more scared as an older straight man getting AIDS. Yeah, because like, then what it's if they're like, like getting a little closer well, to us. What if they were like you saved up? Yeah. So it's like it's just that <laughs> sex with sex with one gay man yeah. is the equivalent of having sex with fifty women. Because it is like know? kinda scary, like, wait, young gay men now are getting it? But I'm like, yeah, I still think old straight men getting it would be scarier to yeah. me. Yeah, no, that's yeah. true. But like why like it's like but like you you it's it's wild that young people have to take prep. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Also, did AIDS or just some of these diseases that we have a lot of now? Do they always exist? And we just no. like discovered them now. Well, a lot of things are like mutations of yeah. dis- like because like diseases like everything else kind of mutate and change, right? And mm-hmm. Evolve. Now they'll tell you that's the thing with COVID, but COVID has to be real first for it to change right, and evolve. Exactly. Is that one? Right yeah, me. it's just a proposition. Because yeah. that's right. Finn's, that's... Been, Finn's been on a fucking eating hair kick lately. Eating hair. Yeah, he like eats your my, hair. Yes, he'll like crawl yeah. into the bed and start chewing on my hair. Yeah, and <laughs> Dad doesn't like that, Finn. <laughs> 
Because that's what I was thinking. Like, um, I thought I'm like Lou Gehrig playing in 2,000 straight games. Even though Cal Ripken did like what surpassed him, I feel like in the 1930s it seemed like there was just so much more risk for like disease and all this stuff. Yeah, and it feels like more impressive to do in the 1920s and 30s and the well, 90s. Then you like say like, well, back in the days, like people weren't getting like type two diabetes as yeah. much, and you know, like the you know cancer risks weren't as yeah. high, and like heart disease wasn't as prevalent. So yeah. You know, yeah. but there's like there's also stuff like people are definitely dying of like pneumonia and yeah. smallpox. So and also game like sports, the game itself wasn't as advanced, so guys probably weren't getting hurt as much because all those guys had to play every day, yeah. or they just didn't get paid. And then as time goes on, it's like you know they give guys rest days now, which just never existed in well, the past. Without getting too conspiracy theory, like it's like you know how much like was how much of humanity is supposed to be around like this much like carbon dioxide from cars and. The pollution yeah. of like big city and like all these radio waves and yeah. radio signals. Like, I don't think it's like necessarily bad for you, but I don't think it's great for you. you think all the best athletes are one day going to all be people from rural areas because uh, everyone who's in a city is taking in too much fucking. I mean, I feel like yeah. at this point, like because of all the technology, like there's just like a low level of radiation that everyone's affected. Yeah. It's just how affected is everyone else. Yeah. Every once in a while, when you hear one of those stories of like some athlete who just like grew it, like a Brock Lesnar. Just that human being was just mm. on a farm in South Dakota, right? <laughs> and just like there's like there's like oh they were drinking like raw milk, yeah, and just, and you know fucking grass fed beef, yeah, or just every uh, day. Yeah, there was a story I don't remember all the deal, but Walter Johnson, uh, it was a baseball pitcher from like the early 1900s, and he was like on a farm in Idaho. And the Washington Senators, this is Washington, D.C., apparently someone who had played a game with him later made it to the majors and like, this guy throws the ball really fast. And so they sent a scout up there and they saw him throw the ball really fast. And they're like, you should come and play for the Washington Senators. We'll pay for your train ticket there. And he's like, well, will you pay for my train ticket uh, to come back in case I don't make it? And they're like... Don't worry, he'll make. He's like becomes one of the greatest pitchers mm-hmm. ever. It was just this, because back then you just like it was so like bare bones. It was you different. Just, you just see a guy who can throw a ball almost a hundred miles an hour in nineteen ten. You're just like you are going to be the best pitcher ever. <laughs> like, yeah. And it was just some random guy on a farm in Idaho. It's like so wild. Like that guy's life was just he grew up on a farm he was going to live he was he knew his mom and dad and siblings he was going to have a wife and kid on a farm and he was going to die and that was <laughs> that was just going to be his life that's our alarm system come here maddie yeah maddie maddie come here come well, here maddie oh you know what she sees the cat oh uh, that's what she's going nuts maddie yeah. come here maddie finn go get maddie finn go get maddie <laughs> he doesn't want to leave no, I think you'll be okay. Hey, shh. shh. We're all having a good time, yeah. man. But yeah, that guy was just going to live a totally normal, forgettable life, and then he was just able to throw a ball really fast. That <laughs> was like the generation where they started making the change. We're like, oh, we can become stars. Yeah. It was like the thir- The 30s was really when, like... Yeah. Well, Walter, yeah. Walter Johnson was 1910s, even. But even oh, then, wow. like, there were a few, like... There were some, like, celebrities. You live on the farm, you die on the farm. Yeah. But then it was, but that like... that was most of the people's lives. Elvis did that. He was, like, on a farm, and he got discovered, allegedly. Yeah. Stealing black people's songs. Yeah. <laughs> they saw him on a farm, they're like, he steals black people's songs better than anyone else on this farm. Ooh, the soul of a black man, but the appearance of a white guy. Everyone wins. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever see that Elvis movie? No, I didn't. See it. I didn't either. <laughs> yeah, <coughs> I never really was like a big El. You know, there's like uh, Quentin Tarantino famously said, "You're either an Elvis fan or a Beatles fan." Mm. When it comes to your musical taste, 
I guess. Now, you just like the Oregon at fucking baseball games. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the. I'm <laughs> You're just fan. like, you just care about, like, yeah. Who sings, who sings Take Me Out to the Ball Game? That and Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah, big <laughs> Cotton Eye Joe fan. Um, is that like a thing of like Beatles and Elvis as far as uh, whatever you like now is a derivative of one of those? I think that's just like the gener That, that, that was like the generation. Yeah. You know, it was like. Yeah, um, you either liked Elvis Presley, and I think it was usually the guys liked Elvis and the girls liked the Beatles. Okay, but then like I don't know, my dad liked the Beatles. Yeah, my dad was, um, my dad was uh, like, I have an older dad, so he was already like in his like late teens. Wait, 20s, how old is your dad now? Seventy eight. My dad's like around seventy eight, seventy nine. Okay. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. This is my dad when the beat. He was a classical musician, so when the beat, like, so he was almost like kind of like want to be like snobby about any like modern music. Yeah. So he uh, was kind of like the Beatles. They're fucking pop, whatever. And he said he was at Juilliard one time, and someone was playing something that he thought sounded beautiful, and he went, and he's like, "What is that?" And it was like, "Let it be." Oh <laughs> damn! That's and a so popular ass Beatles song. Yeah. Well, you know, they did start out like super poppy, yeah. and then they just. One of the few bands that, like, you know, success maybe you could argue that made it be- made them better. Yeah, Elvis's uh, thing was kind of, you know, he had like a couple of years of being really edgy, successful, and then as he got more successful, he was just kind of doing the kind of like movies that nobody ever remembers. <laughs> Some of the stuff that I think artistically people don't look back on as fondly. A lot of later Elvis stuff. Yeah. Well, that, I don't know. I, I think like uh, I think Fat Vegas Elvis had his charm too. Yeah. Where he's like, I got a residency, baby. I can take it easy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> There's something charming about that. Yeah. Now, like uh, that's what everyone wants to have is a Vegas residency. I'd love a Vegas. Re- How cool would that be if we had a that fucking locker room talk? Vegas residency. Buff boys. Yeah. Oh, fucking Buff Boys. <laughs> my God. That's what this. That's what this little uh, this is transition soft, yeah. video is for. For this us to get all the mistakes out. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You get a little behind the scenes as we fucking yeah. tighten it up and, yes. and figure <laughs> out. So we're definitely doing Skank Fest next year. Yes, absolutely. Lewis, Lewis confirmed on the latest Real Ass podcast. He did. He did. Well, he said I can come. Just like I have to talk to him. Okay. I, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be more assertive next time because I keep yeah. thinking like, oh, it's gonna happen. And then Lewis was like, just remind me. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. The the one you guys did in Houston, I was going to. I wasn't booked on it, but I was gonna just fly out for it. And then last second, I was like, ah, I don't know. I just didn't do it. Yeah, I hear. And yeah. then like the day, uh, like the day I, I get a text that was like offering me spots. On show. If you just go, if, if I went, yeah. if we went, we even go. if we weren't booked, we would get spots on it. Well, we're definitely getting up next time. Yeah. I think it's, it's going to be in Vegas again. No, I think it's going to, hopefully Vegas. it's going to be back in New York. Oh, I would love that. The New York, I did the last couple New York of New is York more ones, fun, dude. Were great. Yeah. I mean, even though like it's like fun to travel sometimes, it's nice to have like a guaranteed like awesome time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, traveling for comedy, it's um, when you haven't done it a lot, you're yeah. kind of like, oh, my God, I'm a professional. I'm traveling for comedy. So uh, yeah. last week, Kelly and I traveled for comedy. We went out to Tennessee. Nice. We did like this, uh, just like the literally. Chattanooga like a, shows? Well, it was like a, just a one-off show um, okay. outside of uh, Nashville, like an okay. hour outside of Nashville. Nice. Uh, but we, we flew out at like 11 a.m., Yeah. landed, checked into the motel, like rested for an hour, uh, drove out to the venue, uh, set up. Kelly did 45 minutes. I did 45 minutes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Then we just uh, drove back, went to Waffle House, nice. went to bed, got up at 3 a.m., 
uh, and took a 6 a.m. flight back to Oof. New York. Yeah. It was brutal, but it was so much fun. Yeah. Did you it, guys hang around Nashville at all? Uh, we didn't really have a whole lot of yeah. time. You know, it was such like a quick w- I haven't ever been, but I've heard that that's yeah. like such a fun spot it's, now. Yeah, I definitely, it would have been like, oh, I kind of wish we had. It was awesome, like... It was awesome having such like a fast turnaround that you didn't even have to think about anything. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, and then this. And then I also got like a 45-minute set, yeah, which was cool. And when you take into account like the flight, the drive, all of that, and you still got 45 minutes, like that's like yeah. still like a really good ratio to how much stage time you can get in New York Exa- sometimes. Oh, for sure, yeah. You know? Yeah, so and how, were, how was the crowd? They were like a smaller, uh, more conservative crowd, but yeah. I was able to connect with them on a few things. Yeah. It's like, that's like another good thing. It's like, well, you have to learn how to talk to everyone and stand yes, up. Yes, you know, like, for sure. It's so easy, especially like, you know, I got my start in San Francisco and now I'm doing it here in New, New York. York. Like, yeah. it's like, look, like, you know, say what you will about like how great the audience is. Like, they're major fucking liberals. Yeah. Like, you can't get too... You, you can't you can't go so far one way. Yeah. You know, and, and by that, you know, being conservative or like making like jokes about, yeah. you know, conservative shit. Yeah. And it's also I think I s- I'll see some comedians kind of like talk about being liberal in their set in a way where it's um like it's not necessary for the jokes they're doing. Well, it's like they're liberal, but they're terrified of black people. That too. Yeah. There's you always know. I mean, there's always that, especially like with New York, a lot of uh, like Brooklyn liberals. Right. But. The uh, I think a lot of times they're like talking about how liberal they're being and it doesn't need for they don't need it for the bit. And I'm like, you're just going to potentially alienate people who might you might actually be able to connect with. Mm-hmm. But I think for some of the I mean, some of them, you'll hear them say, I don't want to connect with anybody who feels that way about whatever. And just like, but that's like, right, you yeah. know, but it's like, but then now you're just dealing in absolutes. Yeah. And who does that? But a Sith. Yeah. If you got to know every single member of your audience, you would find things about them you don't like. <laughs> well, in the end, it's like you, you, you know, I, I think people would find that, you know, it, it's mostly like somewhere in the middle, mm. you know, that's where everyone stands. Yeah, for the most part. Um, but you should be able yeah. to connect with like, you know, audiences all over yeah. because in the end, like there's still people that came out to a comedy show. Yeah, exactly. Which at the end means they People just came out here to laugh. Yeah, and like, I, do I don't think, think anyone's like, I'm going out here. I'm gonna fuck. So, I'm gonna fuck up a liberal. Yeah. I don't. I think they're just like, I want to laugh. I had a hu- yeah. I had a rough day. I yeah. just want to unwind. And I think um, one thing I like about you, I feel like uh, me and you have this thing that we both uh, enjoy doing comedy. Yeah, wherever we're doing it. And uh, even I don't care if it's like a terrible open mic in wherever place in the city with nobody's there and there's no energy. Um, I feel like you do this too, and I'm like, I'm going up there with energy, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to try to do well and have fun doing comedy because how many people get to do this? Right. And too many at a mic. If you're at a mic, yes. But just you know, get up on stage because also so many fucking comedians are like, this is a terrible show, so I'm going to go up there and I'm not going to give it my all, so then Mm -hmm. I can almost like hedge my own bet and be like, well, it was bad anyway. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. And it's like, no, just go up and have a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. And even if you're... I've uh, one of the first open mics I ever did, uh, like uh, my first year doing stand up, Chris Stefano did uh, dropped in at the end of the mic. Oh, shit. And uh, he told just told a story and I he just talked loudly 
and didn't stop for like the whole set. And yeah. I don't think anyone laughed, but I didn't feel like he bombed. No, that's the that's <laughs> the oldest trick in the book. Yeah. <laughs> ah, the old don't give him a chance to fucking not laugh. Exactly. Don't even give him a chance yeah. to think. But uh, but yeah, it's like fucking. We all got in this because like. We like comedy. It's fun. And as you get further along, you'll get better at it. Right. And then I don't care where I am. I am up on stage saying jokes that I know are good jokes that maybe some people will laugh at Mm -hmm. in front of an audience. And that's a cool thing to be able to do. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, the. um, I don't know. Yeah. So but then uh, doing road shows, it's uh, sometimes uh, when you haven't done it before, it's like, holy shit, I'm going to another state. People are paying me to do this. And then you get there and sometimes they're not great. A lot of times they're not great. Most of the time they're not great. A lot of time it's like, well, at least I got like this experience. I I got the experience of being on stage for an extended period of time, Mm. which is, you know, something that I needed to do. Yeah. Um, Even though sometimes I kind of, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, actually getting longer sets is, like, the big thing That's, like, the hardest thing. I mean, like, it's, like, it's funny because it's just, you know, you you go to New York for the, oh, well, I want to become a better comedian, so you go to New York. Yeah. But you become a better comedian in, like, two-and-a-half-minute chunks. Yeah. Because you don't really, you know, you, you really have to, I almost had to relearn how to do my 15 minutes, like, yeah. you know, because for so long I'd been like, oh, I just learned how to do, like, these two-and-a-half-minute sets. Yeah, even because I know. started in New York. I fe- and I, even when I started, I was writing more one-liners anyway. Uh-huh. But now even when I come up with bits, like, my bits are mostly, like, shorter bits. Yeah. Um, sometimes when I, d- I did a storytelling show, uh, like, a week or so ago, and it was uh, I just told the brain surgery story. And, like, for that, I have, like, a full, like, eight-minute, I could probably, st- like, eight- to ten-minute thing. Um, but even still within that, it's like very punchy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Cause then I'll see like fucking when I watch like one of those old Jim Jeffries specials where he does like a 30 minute story. I'm mm-hmm. like, how did, I have no idea how to even fucking begin start. on yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and like, it's like, how did they, cause, cause I heard when like Ali Wong was working on her Netflix special, like yeah. she had to like chop it up and do it in bits throughout yeah. LA because there's just nowhere Shorter to really sets, like you yeah. can't you can't work an hour somewhere yeah you know without like renting out like a theater right. but you know who's going to rent out a theater to open my and like who would there's no way you can also retain an audience for a full hour workshopping something so you have to workshop it in bits yeah and then kind of like weave it all together yeah mm. it's tough yeah but we're the buff boys we got this yeah any, we can do anything <laughs> now is dangerfields reopening i heard that yeah I is heard it or is there just like a photo of Dangerfield? i saw a photo and i saw like one comic who i think used to be like a uh used to like work in comedy clubs say something about it but i don't know if it's real or not that could be cool yeah but, i mean who knows it just depends on how, who the owners are right but yeah. i wouldn't mind like that'd be funny to see like a wave of like those influencer comics like filming their little like 30 second crowd work specials yeah. at Dangerfields. Yeah. Dangerfields was the first club I think I did a spot at. It was the first comedy club I did stand up at. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm try- I had done like open mics at like New yeah. York Comedy Club and all, but I think my first like s- real spot at a club was at Dangerfields. And I remember th- at the time, I knew it wasn't what it was. But it still felt cool. This is the place where like Kinnison and Dice yeah. were discovered, and um, and then like you get there and it's just it was so bad, <laughs> so much that I feel like that's so much of what comedy is is all the things that if you were to ask me when I first started like 
of all these things. Would this be cool? Would this be cool? Would this be cool? I would say yes, and I've done so many of those, and they I've only ever gotten them after the point I realized they're not as cool as I thought they were. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess is kind of good because I think when you get stuff that you think you that, that like you kind of get a big head about things. When you get all these things, you're like, holy shit, I'm a big fucking deal. But at this point, I was in the New York Times, and I'm like, it's cool, but I'm not, I don't give a shit. Eventually, you just realize it's just a thing. Everything, eventually, you realize everything is pointless. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> well, you yeah. get to eventually. It's like how, you know, you, you, uh, like, this is cool to you, but, you know, who's going to care in, like, a generation? That's the thing, Two too. generations. Yeah. Yeah. You know, look at, the, I just read, like, um, Alex Trebek, uh, his his multi million dollar mansion that a mansion that he's lived in like forty years yeah like and that he was like infamous for uh, not infamous but like he would he was known for like you know if if something was broken he would fix it himself he invested yeah. like all of his money all of his time like designing it he did like all the landscaping of like anything in his home. All of it, like he just really took care of it. Yeah. He owned it, and he I think you were going to call that infamous. <laughs> That's how lazy yeah. you are <laughs> in your mind. It's a infamous. <laughs> it's a terrible yeah. negative trait to he, be fixing. He was you infamously own. fucking trimming his bushes and <laughs> mowing his lawn yeah, with he was infamous, sinister intent. Infamously taking care of his the things in his life. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> he when he died, nobody nobody bought the house. They ended up demolishing it. Really? I mean, I don't think, you know, and they, and like all that, you know, all those like generations and like, you know, so much passion and effort. Was he like fixing everything for someone to eventually buy it? I think it, it was or? just for him, think, you know. Yeah. So in the end, it's like, okay, but, you know, sometimes it's like all the stuff you invest in, you know, like once you're gone, like, well, then who's it for? Yeah. You know, and that's like, but also at the same time, it doesn't matter. You're not here. Yeah. What do you care? You know? Yeah, exactly. But... Mm. What do you, you want Cal a legacy? Cal Ripken and Lou Gehrig's legacies will live on forever. The, the <laughs> dude who fucking banged Marilyn Monroe and died. That was Joe DiMaggio. Oh, fucking thank God. <laughs> Damn, what if he got like the Catherine, what if she was like the Catherine Zeta-Jones, only instead of getting folk cancer from eating her pussy, you get Lou Gehrig's disease? <laughs> right? What's wrong with your pussy, Marilyn? Yeah. <laughs> but that's how both the Kennedy brothers died? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the... Um, but yeah, so you you weren't really a sports guy at all. Growing nah, up. man, yeah. I never I, I never got into that. I yeah. my dad would take me to baseball games. And I'd be so bored. With yeah, it, you know, it's like because it's like so long. I didn't understand. I yeah. hated I hated baseball. I thought I was like, oh my god. And like dad would be like, I got his I got his tickets for the Royals, and I was just like, oh Jesus fucking yeah. Christ! I gotta be in there for and like. Dude, three hours to a kid feels like a lifetime. Yeah, you know. It was, now it's like we can yeah. do three hours standing on. Well, like also we have our smartphones, yeah. and more importantly, we can get fucking drunk. Yeah, you know, I that's like the biggest thing. Some, uh, some days there was a date, like a summer camp I went to, and we would go to like Mets games sometimes. Mm -hmm. But because we had to like be back on the bus at a certain time, we would never stay for the full games. So I like I was the opposite of you, and it was like we were going to a game. I was always so mad that we were leaving before the game was over. <laughs> I was so sports obsessed, but I didn't get into like uh, once I started doing amateur wrestling and even for the other sports, you practice the sports. Amateur wrestling was the first uh, sport I played where I did like real conditioning, like exercising yeah. workouts. I still wasn't like weightlifting at all, um, but it was just like the conditioning for wrestling is pretty ridiculous. And you were doing things that were working on your strength. Yeah. Um, but some of it was also, you know, I couldn't like build muscle because when I was like 13, 14 right. years old, when I was doing it. And um, and also I was like in you were in a weight class back then for this is like the yeah. 
Greco-Roman freestyle wrestling. Um, and then once I started doing pro wrestling, uh, also, I had always, I mean, I grew up watching, like, pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. So the year, my senior year of high school, your gym class was always, like, a category. So it was, like, lacrosse gym or tennis gym or whatever. And once I got to choose my own, my senior year, I took weight training. And it was just, like, finally, I get to be <laughs> big like these wrestlers I know. Uh, the only thing, that w- I had strong legs. So I played catcher and little yeah. baseball. That was like because everyone else was like stronger than me, even in my high school. So everyone else would go to the bench press and oh, do all yeah, the other yeah. stuff. And I always felt like weird and left out. But then uh, you go I, to the squat rack and show them what's up. No, they didn't really. We didn't have a squat rack, but we had um, that was probably still too much for like they would. We weren't doing deadlifts <laughs> or squats for like <laughs> high school kids. That probably wasn't. Happening. You should be teaching kids that stuff, though. Uh, we did bench press, but they didn't have like a heavy. They had a leg press machine. And I remember I was able to leg press. I think it was like. Um, 360 or 450. It was one of those like first time I was able. I was like one of the highest leg presses, and my highest one that I could do higher than everybody else was the calf raises, where you put like the seated calf raises. You sit down, you put the little like cushion over your knees, mm-hmm. and there's like a a pole that you would put like the 45 pound plates on, and I would put like I would put one on there, and then have my friends stand on it and just lift them with my calves. Uh, why is it that? Um it's always like these like regular ass high school teachers that are fucking the students. How come it's not the coach? Because like the coach seems like yeah, the yeah, they have access to like the most access to like the best pussy. You'd think they know who's in the best shape. You know what? But it's all, you know what? I bet the coach is more noble. Probably the coach yeah. has more noble yeah. <laughs> dreams than a fucking science teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Do any of the teachers? The, the, the coach still thinks he could go pro. Yeah. So he's like, I gotta abstain. But like yeah. the science he's teacher's the coach like, is afraid of getting canceled. Yeah, because he thinks he still has an athletic career in the future. The English teacher's like, I'm never going to publish this book. I might as well fucking finger this chick. Yeah. Did you have any teachers who you had growing up that ended up you found asleep with a t- student? Nah, they were all buggos. Yeah, I had two. Um, I had an English teacher and then a dean, both in my junior high school, same Damn. school. They um, were dudes. Yep, two dudes. One of them. Um, I think his thing was that he um, had, like, made inappropriate comments and was kind of creepy. And then the dean at my junior high school, he full-on had, like, a a year-long relationship affair with this 15-year-old girl. Nice. Paid paid for her abortion. How romantic. There was a whole article about it. Oh, That was a big one. Yeah. He was like the cool dean too. Oh, I mean, he, he was, of course. He fucking yeah. knocked up a fifteen-year-old. You don't yeah. get much cooler than that. I remember I was in detention every week back then, and he would uh, be in the detention too. And he would come to next to me. We would talk like Yankees baseball. He'd sit in the <laughs> chair backwards yeah. and be like, "Hey, can I rap with you?" <laughs> yeah, he turned his he fucking. Backwards. He was like, "Hey, smell this finger." Yeah, <laughs> and you were like, "Whoa, what's that?" He was like, "I'll tell you when you're a little older." Yeah. But yeah, you um, it's in, so we're calling it uh, the Buff Boys the podcast. Buff Boys. And uh, Joe, you were like for a while. You told me you were like really into like the bodybuilding forum thing. I was all about the bodybuilding. Yeah. I was always eating like tuna fish and shit. What oh. what ages is this? This is after you're you've never been into sports, but yeah. what gets you into the bodybuilding? Forums? I was just trying to like lose weight to be like an attractive guy. Okay, damn. Were dude, you like my a weight, fat my kid? Weight wildly fluctuates. I was fat and then I was thin. And I got fat, and then I got thin again. Yeah. And now I'm fat again, dude. It's like it's <laughs> like I truly, I'm truly like a method actor without yeah. any of the fucking movies. Like truly Christian Bale in many yeah. ways. <laughs> I'm anywhere between like 150 to 200 pounds. Yeah. Is that cool? Yeah. I think now. So I, um, when I was young, I was like super skinny, and I graduated high school six foot one, two, 155 pounds. 
<clears throat> and then um, over four years, I wanted to do steroids, and my coaches wouldn't let me. And you should have just fucking done it anyway. I probably could. Well, it was like right after the Chris Benoit thing, and they told me that I would get booked more if I could pass a drug test at the time. Which but actually, they, in hindsight, that just means like pass a drug test. That didn't mean don't take steroids. Well, they they said they were testing for it, and I think that did they it, ever? They did, but I think it was bullshit tests because I knew guys on stuff who never got in trouble. Yeah. It was just like, I mean, like, what are they It was gonna, a PR thing. It's like, what the fuck are they going to... It's like fucking make-believe. It's not like... Yeah. It wasn't like... But then, like, Lance Armstrong, that yeah. was fucking cool how he that did that. That was pretty sick. That was way cool. And then, like, he was, like, bullying the other Dude. athletes. But then, everyone in the fucking Tour de France, Tour de France was, was, like, fucking juicing. Yeah. And you don't think, like... When you think, like, a person that abuses steroids, you literally think, like, a Hulk Hogan yeah. or, like, the Ultimate Warrior... Where they're like abnormally large and shredded. Yeah. You don't expect like a five foot four, one hundred twenty pound yeah. dude. Well, that to was be on like steroids. when baseball first implemented drug testing. It was like, all right, we're going to start suspending people. And the first guy who got suspended for steroids was like a s- the speedy outfielder who was like five ten, one eighty or yeah. something. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, you don't, you don't like. It's just like to keep the muscles from getting to exhaustion. It's like, well, it's steroids is ba- as you most of them. It's uh, recovery. Mm. Um, so like a lot of those big bodybuilders and powerlifters who do steroids, so they're able when they're like um, Mark McGuire's manager at the time uh, did an interview where he was like, I don't think he's on steroids. He works out harder than everybody else. I'm like, yeah, he's able to because he's on steroids. <laughs> like yeah. that's your muscles recover faster, well, so you're able to work out more. Remember, like he also like at one point like Mark McGuire was like, well, I take creatine. Yeah. And then so like everyone was like, creatine is basically steroids. Yeah. So that was like another thing on the forums. Also, like all the yeah. bodybuilders were like, am I going to fucking piss hot if I take some creatine? Yeah. There's also, <laughs> there was like an interview Mark McGuire did just in his locker. And right behind him, you see like Andro, a big tub of Andro. That's awesome, <laughs> yeah. dude. Um, but yeah. God, I, mean, I remember that fucking shit. I used, I, my first job was at GNC. Yeah. But I could never zero the register, so they fired me. Uh, I, I was having such a hard time. But like, I just needed the fish oil. Yeah. <laughs> I remember getting fish oil from uh, GNC because my, uh, my dad had a heart attack and my grandfather died of a heart attack and I started freaking out yeah. and started taking fish oil. But uh, my, my blood pressure's always been good and I'm probably fine. My blood pressure is great, but my fucking cholesterol's high. What does yeah. it mean, Matthew? I don't know. It's like some shit to do going on with like, I don't know. There's so much nuance with like cholesterol, but yeah. I have like a family history of high cholesterol, but not a family history of heart disease. Yeah. Well- Except for my uncle who died of a heart attack. But that's just him. Just him. Just him. Yeah. And I guess my dad's on stat. My whole family's on stat. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm not going to take that shit. Yeah. What's the heaviest you've ever been? Uh, I guess like 220. Okay, yeah. My uh, my highest, I was at like 230. Yeah. Well, um, that's not bad at all for your fucking yeah, night, Yeah, and, <laughs> and at the time, it was when I was wrestling, and I was like still probably, I was pretty bi- like bulky big. Yeah. And then, um, then just after I stopped wrestling, I would go through phases where... Um, because for so many years I was on this like diet and exercise routine mm-hmm. that I kind of in my head view food as fuel a little bit. Yeah. Like I don't have the, um, you know, sometimes I just don't. There's times where I just won't care about eating. I've always kind of worked out at least um, somewhat. There's never, I think right after I stopped wrestling, it was probably a year or so where I barely worked out. Just I was so happy that I didn't have to do it anymore. Yeah. But then after that year, when I started just doing push-ups again and doing something, I was like, I'm actually way happier when I'm exercising. Mm-hmm. I was like, first two years doing comedy and just miserable about everything. And 
Um, who know? Actually, in hindsight, who knows uh, if I had been working out, if I might have progressed better in my first couple years of comedy. Now I feel like I have worse sets when I don't exercise. Yeah, well, that's like your. That's like what you use to uh, level yourself. Yeah, you know. And it's been interesting since I broke the arm last year. Once that happened, and I knew I wasn't going to be able to work out. I just started eating really healthy, thinking, uh-huh. "All right, I got to do something because I can't work out." And then. Uh, once I was able to work out again, I was like, I think I'll just keep eating healthy. So I'm getting in like better shape, yeah. and it's just exclusively men saying things about it. Right. <laughs> That's how it always is. Yeah. Guys will notice it. Damn, you're looking jacked, bro. Yep. All that uh, gay dudes being very forward in the DMs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then suck you off, dude. Yep. I should just let him suck me off. Fucking, hey, the $50 tier, you can suck off Matt. There man. you go. <laughs> we'll have a new $50 tier for the buff boys. Yeah. But yeah, so it was um, you were just trying to lose weight, and that got yeah. you into the body. The body, and then it was yeah. like interesting. So I was like, I'm gonna see how much weight I can lift. So yeah. I was like lifting weight a little bit in college. Yeah. Um, and then like I think I, I stopped around like freshman year because I was like, okay, around freshman lifting. year of college. Yeah. You, you started and ended. Yeah. <laughs> just one year. I did what I needed to do, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Now I'm just gonna focus on jogging. Yeah. What were, you, what were you doing, like, lifting-wise? I was, like, just doing... I did back and buys on, yeah. you know, Mondays. And then gotcha. I had, like, abs on Friday, and then I did, like, legs on Wednesday. Full day for abs? Yeah. All right. Well, that was, like, my roommate. I was, I was just doing what he was oh, doing. okay, yeah. You know? Yeah, I've had a... He was like, we gotta do a split. We gotta split it up. Yeah. I, I mean, I split it up also, but I just do abs every... Abs are smaller. Yeah. Muscles, you can do them every day. Um, but yeah, I would have, uh, friends of mine on my college camp, like when I was on the road, I'd work out with the other wrestlers and it was just, I would, especially when I first started, I was one of the weaker ones. Then even as it went on, I would still like, some of these guys were like full on bodybuilders. Um, so I would just kind of do my thing. I think it's actually really good. I had that because I never had the ego of like, I got to try and lift this like super Mm heavyweight. That's how guys like get hurt anyway. But I was never going to lift more than the other guys I was working out with. But then I would come back to college campus and my roommates or friends would be like, I want to do your workout. And I would do like a moderate workout, but my workouts were like what other wrestlers were doing. Mm -hmm. So like my friends would be fucking dead by the end of it. Mere mortals, dude. Yes. Yeah. Even now, every once in a while, because I'll get guest passes from comedian friends of mine to go to their gym. And anytime they try and shadow me. Yeah, it's like a day day or two later, I'll get a text and they're like, I can't lift my arms. Nice, dude. Yeah. We should do a workout. That'll be a that'll be a Patreon exclusive. Well, maybe Me and you doing a workout. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get a fucking yeah. I throw out my back. Yeah, watch me throw out my back. Fifty bucks a month. There you go. Today was a leg day for me. Oh yeah. Yep. I just got my little kettlebell, dude. That's all I need. Yeah, I do kettlebell stuff. Yeah, kettlebell just toss stuff that shit great. around. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, it is interesting. I would not have pegged you as somebody who was uh knew as much about bodybuilding stuff as you do. I'm all about that shit, dude. Yeah. Big Ronnie Coleman, dude. Uh, Ronnie Everyone wants to great. be a bodybuilder. No one wants to lift heavy ass weights. Dude, just the memes of some of these guys are just absolutely. Pr- I They're don't get. Ridiculous. I don't get wanted to be that big though. No, that's like that was like never like that. Like defeats the whole purpose of working out, which is to be healthy. Yeah. That too, yeah. yeah. Like working out so much that it actually makes you unhealthy. At at the most, you want to look like a fucking Renaissance painting or something. Yeah, you know, like that level of shredded where it's like within the realm of possibility. But now it's like it's like some shit's just like unreal. Yeah, the aesthetic is Brad Pitt and Fight Club. Yeah, Uh, that's still a little too thin for me. (laughs) 
Cause I yeah, cause I was always super skinny. So I like the way like you know some people who like no matter how in shape they get, they always look in the mirror and see someone who's fat. Yeah, I'm body like, dysmorphia. Yeah, I have that, but with I always think I'm weak and skinny. Yeah. So like, there's been a few people who as I'm because I've been eating healthier and then working out. There are people who are like you're getting skinny, and in my head I'm like, please don't fucking say that. No, I know you, you gotta get some. Is, I know you mean this is a compliment. Um, no, I mean I'm gonna keep working out and keep eating healthy. So. As the buff boys goes on, I'll keep being, I'll keep getting buffer. I'm just gonna try. I'm Matt, trying to catch up to Joe. Matt's gonna like just start stacking more and more steroids. Yeah, <laughs> catch up, dude. We'll see. Maybe eventually. I I feel like if I get older and I can't do certain things, I could see myself doing TRT. Yeah. If my testosterone levels naturally decline. Well, that's like everyone's supposed to start doing TRT. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I don't think you, I would ever. You actually can do it. You do can like, get that from your doctor. It's yeah. Like like they'll give exactly. you like a low ass level of it. Yeah. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't do like any of these like uh, Debol, Deca, Tren, or anything like no, that. No, you can just get like a regular ass pill. But even I mean, even still, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't think I would ever do any of that. Especially, I mean, if I was going to, I probably wouldn't have done it when I wrestled. Yeah. And also, I remember at the time my coach saying that the future of wrestling is going to be more athletic builds anyway. And now, do if you believe you, that? If you watch it now, it's all like theater kids who do CrossFit. Yeah, like Jungle Boy. Yeah. What's his name's son? Luke Perry's son, yeah. Yeah. yeah he, who mean, beat up CM Punk? No, he didn't. Didn't he? No, CM Punk beat him up. Nice, dude. Take that, you little runt. Your, <laughs> dad, your dad's dead. And yeah. Now no one can protect you from this straight-edge savior, do you CM know that Punk. Whole, do, you, I, do you know that whole story? I, I just know, like, well, I know CM Punk went into AEW. Well, I mean, no, but the thing specifically with Luke Perry's son. No, I don't know what's going so, on. With their, I don't know what their beef is. So apparently... Um, the reports were, um, so CM Punk got in, like, a fight with other guys in the company. Yeah. And um, so then CM Punk came back, and they made a new Saturday night show that CM Punk was going to be on. Right. Because so he was still a draw. Yeah. So it's like, all right, so basically they're going to, like, have separate locker rooms for the people who can't get along with each other, I, I guess. Love that. And um, so Jungle Boy, is Jack Perry, Luke Perry's son, was going to do, uh, they were going to film something on the CM Punk night, mm-hmm. and they were going to do some backstage stunt with glass, and J- Jack Perry was like, wanted to use real glass, and people in the company, higher-ups, were like, we can use fake glass, it'll still look just as good, we don't want to use real glass, that's too much of a risk, mm-hmm. and he was insisting on it, and some of those higher-ups went to CM Punk, like, you're a veteran, you're one of the boys, maybe yeah. you can talk to him, and then apparently he told them they weren't going to do it, they didn't do it. And the reports get out, CM Punk uh, stops other wrestler from using real glass. And then they have this show at Wembley Stadium that, like, sell 80,000 tickets. A fucking huge... First time they've ever done a show in England. For this newer company, it's huge. And Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, is on having a match, and they do a thing where... Um, he's about to throw someone onto like a windshield of a car and ends up getting thrown onto it himself. And right before he does it, he knocks on the windshield and then pulls the camera in and says, real glass, cry me a river. <coughs> Just like one of the like attacking the biggest star in your company nice. by bringing up some like backstage gossip that I guess some like internet wrestling fans will know, but you have 80,000 people in the stadium in Wembley this is like the biggest show your company's ever done. And you're like taking out like personal gossip bullshit. Mm. And the next match was CM Punk. So apparently Jungle Boy gets backstage and CM Punk says to him like, you got a problem with me? And he's like, I said what I said. And he's like, I'd fuck you up right now. And they just fought like right there. Oh, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> right in front of the boss. My God. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
I don't blame CM Punk. If some little fucking shit did that to me, and I'm like, CM Punk's like in his 40s. He fucking killed it. He's the reason. He's a huge reason why you're able to be on this amazing 80,000 people show. He's the biggest star in your company. Matt, you just don't know what it's like to lose a father. Oh, yes. Jungle Boy. Yeah. Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Yeah. Yeah. My father's still alive. Maybe if I lost my father, I would also be that petty. On a yeah, dude. on a uh, worldwide pay per view with eighty thousand people paying to see me wrestle, I would take that moment to take out my personal gripes with yeah, somebody. Dude. See, <laughs> it all works out. <laughs> but yeah, that's wild story. Damn, that's fucking crazy. That's yeah. awesome. Honestly, and now but, and yeah. then, uh, so CM Punk's no longer with AEW. AEW right? fired him after that. Damn, that's crazy. Now there's rumors he may come back to WWE. I mean, we'll what else is he gonna do? Yeah. They'll probably bring back his wife, AJ, too. We'll see. I still keep, I'll still keep... Me and you, are, I guess, are both kind of peripheral wrestling fans. I mean, I'll, I'll like... I'll read, like, an... I, I, I still, like, have, like... I'm still, like... I still like those wrestling fan pages on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, t- I see a lot of so, stuff on So, you know, I'll media. see, like... I'll see, like, an article pop up. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, shit, okay. And then, like, you know, when Bray Wyatt yeah. died and, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, yeah. you know, I was like, well, okay. Also, anytime anything happens in wrestling, uh, because of how many comedians are wrestling fans that know I used to wrestle, right. I will get, like, texts and DMs about it. Yeah. I used to be in a wrestling group chat with a bunch of comedians, and I was like, that got a little too much for me. It's too much. It got too damn real. Too, it got too damn real. Too damn real, dude. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I uh, where are we at on here? We're doing yeah, we're at forty eight minutes. But Not bad, dude. Yeah, I'm excited about the uh, transition. I hope you guys are excited too. We're gonna start having guests on. Um, I think once we start doing more episodes, we're gonna come each episode. We're gonna have a new like feat of strength. We'll That's find right. like some news story from around the world. Um, it'll still be, you know it's still gonna be me and Joe. We'll have a guest. Still be uh, we'll still be asking people if they've ever pulled a knife on someone. <laughs> yeah, we're still we're still the same old guys, dude. Yeah, this is just a rebranding. This is yeah. like the equivalent of like when a girl gets dumped and then she like shaves the side of her head. Right. You know. Yeah. The Buff Boys is the shave the side of your head podcast. Yeah. The, we'll Br- show the Britney him. Spears shave your head. Remember that, dude? I'm glad. Do you think she's gonna be re-enslaved anytime soon? Did you see that fucking knife video? She's she fucking. Out? She's such a fucking retard, dude. <laughs> you know, like she's acting like she's still like wicked hot, and she's not, dude. She's like, uh, God, she was fucking hot. I mean, she she's a, not like hot like that, but she's like for a fucking forty-five year old, not bad. Yeah, for okay, but like, I mean, like, I feel like she's like most like. I mean, waving the waving the knives around is pretty hot to me. Yeah. but I like crazy girls. <laughs> Uh, but she's like doofy, and she has like kids. Yeah. But like now that I guess like one of her kids is like eighteen now, so Kevin Federline gets less child support. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. K Fed was like the famous like guy who got a crazy. Amount he was. Of money he was our generation. Stedman. Remember Stedman? Oprah's yeah, fucking. They got boyfriend. divorced, right? Well, they were never like married. But they. Like, were it was. Like, it was just like his her long term boyfriend. Right. Yeah. Stedman. Yeah, I always remember hearing about Stedman. I don't think I ever saw him or anything. He always worked in the shadows, dude. That was the mystery of Stedman. (laughs) It was just like it was just like, oh fuck, Oprah Winfrey is like this fucking powerhouse. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I heard that uh, Reese Witherspoon, how like she makes like a billion dollars. She has like this book club. Yeah. Where you know it's basically like for like housewives at home, and then like Reese Witherspoon will like, oh, you should read this book. So what she does is like she recommends a book. And she works out like a deal with the author. Yeah. That if he they see a bump in sales when she endorses his book, 
then she has the option to buy the movie rights yeah. from that author. Right. So Reese Witherspoon will get on her book club, make an announcement, <laughs> people will buy the book, and then she makes she has the movie rights and then she sells it to the companies for like millions of dollars. Yeah. And her book club is all like a big tax write off. God. So damn. she create creates like her own business just manipulating people. And I saw this because I was on LinkedIn. Yeah. And you know how those fuckheads on LinkedIn are like, this is brilliant. Yeah. I hate that fucking work ethic, dude. I hate yeah. I hate it when people are like have like that strong a work ethic, not not to create art or to better the world, but just to generate money. Yeah. Yeah, it's that'd be um, cool if we killed them, huh, Matt? Yeah, we should. <laughs> we should, dude. We should go to their house, find out where they live. Yeah, that is because I do feel like um, I have that, like, um, just like psycho drive competitive. I think anybody who ever did amateur wrestling is like a psycho competitor. Um, but I've never found the way to uh, do it in a way that makes money. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm with you. Fuck people who use that to make money. <laughs> Well, like who they fu- well, you also have to have like a lot of fucking money to begin with. Yeah, that's true. That's too. like the other. That's like the shittiest part of all of it, dude. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's um, yeah. I do feel like I've always kind of uh, probably from like playing sports, amateur wrestling, growing up was like the only way I was able to be good at things was by having to work harder than everybody else. Mm. Um, so then, yeah, getting into comedy, it kind of like makes sense in hindsight that like. Oh, yeah, I had to create my own show and, like, build my own thing and whatever. And it's like, but I'm also, like, happy that I did that. And it's, like, the longer road, but I think it's more satisfying. Yeah, I mean, you need to learn the discipline. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What about you? I assume you're not the most driven. (laughs) Oh, fuck no, dude. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. At the same time, it's like, I understand that slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. And I'd rather do something consistently well. Yeah. Than, you know. But, like... That's, like, a cool thing about comedy is it's not a very competitive field. Like, all you really need to do... Like, in the end, like, you're just competing against yourself. Yes, that's the no, most annoying yeah. thing to me are comedians who are really competitive about co- with comedy. Because it's, like, the, it yeah. doesn't matter, dude. Like, because, like, everyone's... You also ask, like, a hundred people who their favorite comedian is. Like, you're yeah. going to get, like, a bunch of different answers. I think it's very cringy when comedians get competitive. And it's also... Um, you have, like, fiery energy that could be used positively, but instead you're using it, you're wasting it. Right. Um, especially in roasts and roast battles when people, like, are, get really into wanting to win and lose. It's like, you want to put on good shows. You're setting yourself up for heartbreak. And you're also, um, uh, it's wasted energy. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is, and it is also very, like, You'll hear someone talk so much about how they want to win. And it's like, did you ever compete in anything real in your yeah, entire life? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Makes you think, huh? Really does make you think. Uh-oh, is the allergies hitting you? Um, we got oh, yeah, the, I didn't take Claritin. We got a little Claritin. Yeah. We got the blue box okay, right there. If, um, in hindsight, if there was any sport you could have played growing up and gotten good at, which one would you have picked? I probably would have just fucking stuck with karate and shit. Karate, like martial arts? I took some martial arts when I was a kid, thanks to the Ninja Turtles. Oh, nice. But it was like, you know, we were in Kansas at the time. Yeah. So it was just like some generic white guy and his fucking, you know, Gus's karate and shit. Yeah. But like, I feel like if I grew up on the West Coast, it would have been, I would have had like an authentic fucking Asian, you know, instructor. You would have gone to a dojo. I would have gone to a dojo and it would have been like that. They were like fucking beat my ass. Yeah. But it makes me stronger. Yes. You know, you would have been chopping wood. Yo, listen, you're a discipline. 
you know? Yeah. I, I have actually, to fucking catch a fly with chopsticks and there, shit, yeah. you know? <laughs> I wish. I, I took judo. It was like the after school program I had mm. offered judo, and I was very excited when I saw it because uh, at the time I was watching WWF and Taz nice. was on TV, and they would always announce him when he came out and always say he was a judo black belt. Was he really? I think he was actually. That's funny, but uh-huh. like it didn't, he, he couldn't tell. Um, you could a little bit. Once really? I learned the judo throws and all, he would do like those moves in his matches. There was yeah. the human suplex machine, and in judo is where it's all like upper body throws. So it actually, uh, once you know judo, you, you kind of see it in his wrestling. Once you did, knew it, you see it everywhere. Yeah, once you know judo, you see it everywhere. <laughs> um, also, my favorite thing about it was uh, the people who do judo. They're always they're called players. Oh, nice! It's the only martial art where it's like player. You know, yeah. Judo players. Nice. <laughs> As they call the black judokas. Yeah, judoka also yeah. is what you call someone. Well, like, I mean, judo. like, so, there's so much of, like, a lot of, uh, a lot of jujitsu, uh, would, would sync up with some wrestling. Uh, know? for sure. Yeah. A lot of, so a lot of the guys who, when I was doing pro wrestling, I trained with guys who were like old school submission wrestling. It's mm-hmm. called catches, catch can wrestling, the European style. And they hate jujitsu because they jujitsu stole all their stuff from wrestling. Uh, <laughs> the main um, Brazilian jujitsu, at least, the main um, innovation is fighting off your back. So in uh, in wrestling, if you're on your back, you're pinned. Right. Um, but all the holes in jujitsu that we know under like different names, they were had different names in wrestling. The kimura is a double wrist lock, but one of the Gracies who started Brazilian jujitsu was beaten by a guy named Kimura. And that guy, Kimura, he had learned that holds as the double wrist lock from... Uh, uh, Chris Je- Jericho. From Chris Jericho and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, like, there's a few holds that in jiu-jitsu I'll, like, hear someone say... Like, I know them now, but I would hear someone say, in Americana, I'm like, what? They show me, I'm like, oh, a top wrist lock. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, because I just learned them differently. And at the time, I bought into the thing of, like, we're wrestlers. We hate jiu-jitsu yeah. guys. But also, figure if, four. Yeah, but if you're if you're a wrestler and you don't know that jujitsu guys know how to fight off their back, you'll take them down and mm. you'll get caught every time. Right. Um, but I think if you're, um, I've heard like MMA guys say, if you're a wrestler and you learn how to counter those jujitsu positions, you're kind of unstoppable. Nice. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah, to be unstoppable. Do you think boxing's ever going to come back? I don't know. I mean, the celebrity boxing does that's more all, than anything. That's all now. it is now. That's all like Paul, it is now. Yeah. Um, you think there's ever going to be like another like Manny Pac? Because like Pacquiao, Pacquiao and, and Mayweather, Mayweather getting up there. Yeah. Um, like and then like so would like the fucking best boxer after that be fucking Logan Paul or would you say it would be like you know? Um, uh, I guess what, uh, Tyson what is it? Fury's still out there. Tyson Fury is out there. The heavyweight Triple G. Anthony, tri- Triple G is another one. Uh, he's Canelo. He might, Canelo is still out there. Um, but I haven't even, seen a whole lot of them lately. Yeah, though. but even I mean, Canelo Alvarez. Not as many people know that name as like Mayweather, Pacquiao, right. Tyson, and any of those. Um, things go in ways so it's possible it comes back, but it's um, I don't know. It's just not very culturally relevant anymore. No, I mean, I, just, I think they just need like another like generational superstar. another big star, yeah. Like, but like you know, Logan Paul is like, yeah, he's like popular in boxing, but that's like his celebrity made it yeah. popular in boxing. Like, there needs to be somebody that 
comes up in boxing. Yeah. Just and but like who is like at their core yeah. a boxer. Do you th- so if you could have done any uh sport professionally, would it have been MMA? No. No. Too scary, yeah. Dude. Too scary. So it baseball. Been. <laughs> <laughs> is that the um, least scary? What's the least scary sport? Like fucking chess. Chess. Oh, yeah. I mean, is that a sport? <laughs> yeah, I was esports. I would have been like a fucking yeah. gamer. <laughs> um I guess like golf. Golf, yeah. Yeah, golf. Yeah, golf would be cool. I could be like uh fucking what's his name? John Daly. Yeah. I don't know. I always considered golf more of a uh, game than a sport. It's yeah, it's hard. Definitely. It's challenging. I mean, it, it is, yeah. but it I mean it's like it's a casual thing. Yeah. Tenet, like, look at, maybe look how everyone reacts when you got a hole in one. They're like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. Like, they, everyone treats it like a once in a lifetime opportunity. It is, it is impressive. Yeah. Um, but I always felt like because other athletes will retire from their sport and then start playing golf. How come no, how no come, golfers retire and then get into football? Why, why don't they make mini golf professional? Because that could be that like looks like fun and that's still yeah. a skill. I'm sure mini golf would be fun. Like, you know, you have to. You got one where it's like the gorilla trying to block yeah. the hole, one with the windmill. Yeah. I'm classic. sure there's something on some level the way there, there's like something there's people will like do there's competitive like cornhole. Put it on ESPN, like baby. Yeah, I've seen cornhole on ESPN. Yeah, they got to get like yeah. mini golf. Make mini golf a fucking. Legit yeah, they sport. started doing it after the hot dog eating contest every year. There would be cornhole contests. God. Um, oh, yeah, that's a sport you would do. Competitive oh, eating yeah. in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Of the major sports, I feel like that probably the. Um, the easiest one, tennis or g- golf is enough people consider it a sport. I think tennis might be up there. Wimbledon, Wimbledon, yep. That's um, like a nice white people sport, dude. Tennis. Well, actually, worldwide, it's like um, like a lot of Spanish people are really into it. Yikes! Um, but like, I think like British white people when yeah, I think that's in, like where it first started. Because yeah. uh, I did security at the U.S. Open for years, and like when Nadal won one year, we had to like bring a security into the locker room because the Queen of Spain came through to watch him. Oh damn! Yeah. Did you try to kill her? No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't get close. Actually, I was right next to her. Didn't know it was her at first. You could have done like some Assassin's Creed type shit. Yeah, I mean, some woman like just walked right by me wearing like a crown and a dress, but I had no idea the Queen of Spain was there, so I didn't know who it was. How cool would have been if you like fucking fell in love with her and she yeah. you. And, she, and what? And she, you. She fell in love with oh, you. We fell in love with each other. I we just made eye contact, and that was it. She's like, who is this brute? And yeah. And they're like, oh, come, my lady. He's not <laughs> of our kind. Yeah. He's not our kind. And they're like, hey, Marin, yeah. get back to work. Yeah. You're like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, boss, sure. And like you like yeah. look, and you, you see her, and then like <laughs> she catches your eyes like they fucking escort her into a limousine. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I guess I'll never see her again. Yeah. It is. <laughs> they got you fucking. She she takes you to the ball. Yeah. And like you teach her how to like fucking like have fun dancing. So you yeah. play like Black Eyed Peas. I Let's play get Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah. <laughs> and like everyone's like everyone's like what? Like everyone looks at the DJ like how come he's not playing classical music? And like yeah. everyone starts dancing and shit. And like the king starts like kind of nodding his head. Yeah. And then like hey wait a minute king you can't do that like, oh yeah sorry yeah oh damn dude like what <laughs> a fucking next, great story like, the next fucking like royal whatever they do in Spain it's Cotton Eye Jose yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, You're in, dude. Yeah, but they, yeah, it's, <laughs> it was funny, like, it, it's interesting to think back on it that, like, whenever I watch any sporting event now and, like, some big athletes being, like, walked out to something and you see, like, the security guard with the sunglasses yeah. and, like, the earpiece and the, like, serious face and the arms crossed walking behind him. It's like, I was one of those people for a long time. Nice, dude. <laughs> you could still be that, private security. Um, I could be. I mean, in general, that's why I stopped kind of working in security while doing comedy was because, like, not ha- being able to work nights is just so limiting mm. to it. I would work some nights here and there, but, like, 
I was bouncing at a strip club at one point, and then it was just like, if I work one or two nights a week, I'm just like, I may as well have a job somewhere else because that's like where the m- I was doing day shifts at a strip club. Oh. You just make no money there. Yeah, come on. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> who, who, how many people are there during the day? Barely. Two, three, yeah, I don't even know why. You don't even have like the top shelf strippers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true too. Um, you know what? I kind of like that though. Not having the top shelf strippers. Give me a homely one. Yeah. <laughs> Leave your glasses on. Yeah, there weren't any that were homely there, but there were just ones that were just like uh, they looked unhealthy. Nice. Like they were skinny, but it just Ooh. yeah. Like their faces were like not the good kind of skinny. In. Yeah, yeah, malnourished. Yeah. yeah, sign me up, dude. Yeah, <laughs> they're like gaps in their teeth, that Ooh, type of shit. Hell yeah. yeah, hello, governor. <laughs> Spot a tea while I squat yeah. on your face, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, it was in Manhattan, so it would just be like finance bros on lunch sometimes. Sick. And then just like one creepy Indian dude. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'd like you to go poo poo on my face, yeah. please. So that day it was like 12 to 6 or 7. Nice. And it was just maybe like 10 to 20 people could come in the entire Yikes. shift. Yeah. How much money did you make on a day like that? I don't remember what the salary. I would make the, whatever the salary was, but I, like, bear, no tip money. Jeez. At night, you would make tip money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not even, um, uh, it was just like, I think guys just want to, like, show up. We're going to the strip club. We'll tip the security. Like, mm. I wouldn't get as many t- Obviously, I not get as many tips as the strippers. No, no, yeah. But it's just... Um, Any know, little bit is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, more so than you. Uh, than, uh, during the day, I, nobody tipped ever. Yeah. I, I could see that. I yeah. could definitely see that. Yeah. I don't know. What's the uh, what's the buffest job you've ever... I guess that may be my buffest... GNC, buffet, dude. Pro wrestler, GNC uh, was GNC. my buffest job. Yeah. Bouncing at a strip club, yeah. <laughs> my only jobs I had was I worked at GNC. I worked at like a bodega for a day, and I was yeah. like, I'm not gonna fucking do this. Yeah, we mentioned chess. I coached chess for like two days. No, you didn't. Because I was coach. Uh, I've coached a lot of youth sports, and there was an after school program that was doing chess, and um, and I was I I know how to play chess. I'm not like great at it, but I'm like I could teach kids. I mean, yeah, you know the basics. Yeah, I could teach kids. I know like the positions. I my I, my dad and I used to play a lot. I've seen Queen's Gambit. Um, and then, um, yeah, like the, those kids just cried. They were like 10 year olds who really played chess yeah. and they just destroyed me. It was humiliating. That's funny. I sat down and the kid was like, I'm going to do the Hungarian opening. I'm like, okay, I may have some problems now. <laughs> 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 and every move, every move I made, all of his friends were like, why is he doing that? He's leaving his knight unprotected. His bishop's open over here. They, they fucking knew like Jesus. everything. Yeah. That's so f- And that's such a young age. Yeah. That's wild. And, uh, yeah, so I. Um, but that's like their like you know their competitive fucking like exactly baseball yeah, field. yeah. I had um I had a few other coaching jobs and I was like trying to make a schedule together and just I was gonna have to drop one. I'm like I think I'll drop the one where the kids are better than me. Yeah, the <laughs> one where I, I have absolutely nothing to contribute. Yeah, like there was like some of the kids were new and mm-hmm. I would be like the person teaching the newer kids. Yeah, but just like these ten year olds, they were those kids were so far ahead of me. That, like, no matter how much better I get, they're going to be getting better at the same... And they're at the age where they retain so much more. I was never going to be better than them. And they were, like, 10. Yeah. It's insane. Jeez. Yeah. Their whole life is ahead of them. Yeah. 
But I know my dad was like really into um, chess, like even like watching it. He's told me stories about watching the like Bobby yeah. Fischer yeah, versus like, whatever, like Rook to King Seven, like, yeah, shit like that. Oh, when um, I've seen uh, fucking there was some movie on it where um, they searching uh, for Bobby Fischer. Actually, kind of with Queen's Gambit, they kind of talked about it. But like, yeah, my dad's like, yeah, you would go to places and they would have like the TV on and they were following this like. Russian grandmaster playing against there, Bobby Fischer. There was like that one. There was like some recent controversy with like uh, a chess tournament where they thought like a guy was like cheating with anal beads. Yes, he was like having yeah things vibrating in his ass, and they thought that he was maybe doing something there. Yeah, that'd be a fun way to cheat. That's the best way to cheat. Best way. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the whole thing with in baseball. There was the uh, sign stealing thing, and they thought they were using buzzers. The Houston Astros, um, the big the, what they caught them doing was uh, they had a camera in the outfield that was just zoomed in on what the catcher's signals were, oh. and then they would be able to relay it immediately to the dugout, and they would bang on a trash can. Once meant breaking ball, twice meant something else, and no bang meant fastball, something like that. Um, and in general, there's always gamesmanship. Like, if you have a runner on second base, he can see what the catcher is signaling. Yeah. So he can signal to the hitter with something what's coming if they notice it. But usually when that happens, the catcher and the pitcher switch up the signs. That's when you start seeing them go like one, two, three, one, two. And they'll have a thing with the pitcher. When I started playing catcher in Little League Baseball, like 11, 12 years old, I started calling the signs, which I just knew Major League Baseball players did. No one our age was doing it, but it was just like it'll... I'm not very out. I'm a Jewish kid with asthma. I need every advantage I yeah, can get. Yeah. And I would t- try and talk to the pitchers about like signs. Some of them didn't give a shit at all, but some of them we would come up with these like intricate systems of like uh, one, two, and three. And if you brush down with your glove, one, two, you mean down two or up one. Like all these oh, like damn, things okay. that we can like do to each other to change the signs or. I would say I'll give you a sign and it's I'll give you four signs. It's the second sign is the pitch I want you mm. to throw. Next inning, I would say now it's going to be the third sign, like things like that. But if there's no runners out there to see, you're not going to mix up the signs because who cares? Yeah. But if they have a camera in the outfield, that's kind of cheating. Yeah, that's it's different. Yeah. yeah. But there's been stories of that through, like, baseball history. I mean, as long as people are competing, people are going to be cheating. I feel like the history of baseball is more engaging than the sport itself. I mean, because it's so intertwined with, like, American and human history. Um, But, yeah, there was, like, a story in, like, the late 1800s of, like, a baseball field that had a lighthouse behind it. And somebody would be in the lighthouse turning the light a certain way to let the hitter know what pitch was coming. Sick, dude. Yeah. Good old days. Yeah. They were as it really is. As long as people are competitive about something, someone's going to try and get an edge, no matter what it is. Damn, dude. Well, thank you for sharing that incredible knowledge. Thank you for baptizing the first episode of the Buff Boys. Yes. This we did it. It's going to be Locker Room Talk presents the Buff Boys. And then starting next week, we'll have guests on. And it's the Buff Boys. Yeah. Same same Patreon, same YouTube. We're just making a couple of changes. Yeah. So. And we're going to start doing, um, I think we'll go back to doing the watch-alongs. And I think we yeah. did a watch-along with a bodybuilding documentary. And I will try and do some more of those. Yeah. 
Well, so um, now's a good time to subscribe to the $10 or more tier yes. for all that extra info. Awesome. We'll have a full breakdown on the Patreon, and we'll send little alerts out to everyone as well. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you guys for continuing to support us. Uh, we uh, we still need that money. Um, Desperately. And, actually, and now you get to donate. You get to give money to us and know that it will not go to Bobby Sheehan. Yeah, you know, like we're getting a bigger per- cut of the percentage Exactly. Now. So it all works out. So thank you guys for listening. Tune in next week for the first full rebranded episode of the buff boys that's right we don't know who the guests will be yet but it could be be anyone it's gonna be a fun time thank you guys for listening we'll see you next week bye